You're listening to episode 10 of Speaking with Deacon, 10 tips to a divorce-proof marriage. Speaking with Deacon is a production of the Perusia Podcast Network in partnership with Voice of Charity Australia and EWTN Asia Pacific. Join us as we discuss strategies that will empower us to announce the gospel of the Lord daily through our words and deeds. This is Speaking with Deacon. Hello, and thanks for joining us once again on Speaking with Deacon. My name is Mark Griffin, and joining me, as always, is Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. Deacon Harold, how are you today? I'm doing well, Mark. It's great to see you as always. Thank you. It's great to be with you once again. And we're actually very excited down here in Australia because in only a couple of weeks after we release this particular episode of the podcast, you're going to be visiting us on your seventh tour to Australia. Now, Deacon, I just want to ask you, first of all, are you looking forward to the trip? And if the answer is not yes, please pretend you've got technical trouble or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm looking forward to coming back to Australia. It's probably my favorite country to visit uh, in the world, uh, not only because of uh, the, the speaking and you know because it's Australia. Um, you know, I think the people there have been absolutely wonderful, um, very receptive and open to the beauty of, of the fullness of the truth of the faith. Uh, I've developed many wonderful friendships there, including yourself, Mark, of course. Uh, and, and so kind of, I can consider uh, Australia kind of like a second home, you know, so I, I'm very excited to come back. You know, obviously I haven't been there since, was it 2018 or 2019 with the pandemic, you know, and, yeah. and, and all of that. So I'm, I'm very yeah. excited to, uh, to come back down under again. Yeah, we're looking forward to having you here. And we've got you coming this time with Tim Staples from Catholic Answers, also on his seventh trip. Neither one of you wanted to be outdone, obviously. So so you'll be both here <laughs> together on the Be Not Afraid tour. And that's going to, to be here starting on October 6, I believe, off the top of my head. I don't have the details in front of me, but we're very much looking forward to it. You've got a couple of new presentations you're going to be giving and, and so does Tim. And so it's going to be a wonderful trip around Sydney and Melbourne for, for Deacon Harold and for Tim Staples. So have a look at our website, perusiamedia.com and go to the events page for all the details. But yeah, very much looking forward to that. So, so can't wait. Uh, but before we get to that, we have a, a discussion today. Um, for those who are watching the video, you might have gleaned that it is something to do with the topic of marriage as Deacon Harold's got his wedding photo as his backdrop today with his beautiful wife, Colleen. <laughs> today, we're actually going to be talking about 10 tips for a divorce-proof marriage. So we're going to be going through these 10 tips in no particular order. There's no sequence that has to be followed, but just 10 thoughts, 10 ideas um, to, to help in strengthening our marriages uh, for life, and and Deacon, you might even provide some own uh, provide some of your own experiences from within your own marriage to to demonstrate some practical applications of these ideas. So, are you ready to jump in? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, let me let me start by saying how I came up with this list. Okay. <laughs> so there, there's a, there's a couple. Yeah, it's a couple things. First of all, if people uh, by now should know my story, I was a Benedictine, right? And so I never actually thought that I would be married. You know, so uh, and my and I come from a background where my parents are divorced. You know, they did not have a good marriage, and so I really had no 
um, no perspective as to what a good marriage was supposed to look like and what it was supposed to be like and how to do it kind of a thing. So, so in, in, and knowing, of course, you get married for life, right? Not till it becomes inconvenient, not until the other person makes you angry, not until you get bored, you know, or, or whatever the reason the person gets sick, whatever the reason may be, it's for life until one of you dies. And so having been married now, uh, 28 years, um, I've taken the experiences and also doing marriage preparation in the parish, you know, and seeing what happens with couples uh, and, and reading some books and, and going to couples therapy ourselves at times, you know, this, we, you know, we hit some low points in our marriage and, and, and really benefited from counseling. So it's taken all of those experiences. And, and I use these 10 things, Mark, as kind of the third part of my marriage preparation program for couples um, that I that I still use to this day in the parish. And so uh, a lot of people have found these to be very helpful. In fact, I even have Protestants that come for marriage prep because they hear if we get past you, we know we'll stay married forever. You know, so uh, so this is something we take very, very seriously in our parish because we understand, Mark, that we're preparing people for a lifetime commitment, not just to look good for pictures, right? And if you think about it, you know, the way the sacraments are grouped in the catechism, you know, there's the sacraments of initiation, right? Baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, the sacraments of healing, anointing of the sick and reconciliation, and the sacraments at the service of communion, holy orders and marriage. Okay, so think about it. A priest spends six or seven years preparing for a lifetime of service as a priest, and a married couple prepares, what, a weekend? Or maybe a couple of weeks for a lifetime of marriage. What's wrong with this picture? Right? Now, of course, I'm not saying that married couples should spend six or seven years preparing for marriage. I'm not saying that. But but at the same time, we don't want want to happen what just happened to a, an in-law relative of mine. You know, one of my wife's cousins recently got married, just had a baby, and now are getting divorced. Uh, like, whoa, you guys haven't been married like three years and you have a baby and now you're getting divorced. Well, we they said, well, we decided we were better friends than spouses. Well, isn't that something you should have discerned before you made that commitment to marriage? Exactly. Yeah. So you see, so we need to do a better job with marriage preparation. I hope that these 10 tips will help people that are discerning marriage, that are even having problems in their marriage now. Or if you are doing marriage prep in your parish, maybe this is something you can add to your to your tool chest. And, and some of these tips are going to take people out of their comfort zone a little bit. It's not supposed to be an easy process. It's not supposed to be a, an easy lifestyle. Marriage comes with its challenges. I've been married 13 years myself now coming up in October. And yeah, it, it comes with its challenges. But at the same time, those, those challenges, when you work through those challenges, they come with their own rewards as well. And yeah, so the, some of these tips, they're going to be challenging, but but I encourage all the people listening to to take these on board. Maybe not all 10 of these things will apply to everybody, but but take from this what you can and then apply it with your spouse or, or with your fiance, apply it to your own situation and, and, and let's see if these can really help people strengthen uh, this, this bond for life. So, so let's jump into the first one. The first of the 10 tips, be mindful of offering genuine affection. What do you mean by that, Deacon? Yeah, so affection. 
So affection is showing through words, cards, hugs, gifts, kisses, like little courtesies, little little wonderful things there that you that you care, you know, that um you want to create an environment that clearly and repeatedly expresses love. Right? So so what's interesting, Mark, some people need more affection than others. So for example, in, in our case, in our marriage, my wife craves affection, right? Where myself, I don't need a lot of affection to in order to show love, you know, but my wife craves affection. And here's the thing, Mark, I'm not a very affect overly affectionate person, right? So, so oops, we have a problem here, right? Because how, how do I satisfy that need in my wife for affection when I am not overly affectionate myself. <clears throat> so this is where the idea of marriage as a cross comes in, right? Jesus on the cross was totally vulnerable, but yet it's in that gift of vulnerability where we see his strength, right? So he broke himself open and poured himself out in love. And we need to do that in marriages sometimes, Mark. We need to break ourselves open and pour ourselves out uh, for our for our spouse, we have to go outside of ourselves. We have to go um, beyond our own needs to meet the need of the spouse. So, so what did I do to kind of reconcile this in our marriage? I'll, I'll tell you kind of a funny story. Uh, I remember one. I was thinking about all of this, and this is when the kids were younger. And I remember going shopping at the grocery store, and um, thinking about all of this affection. How can I be more affectionate? And I saw that there were some flowers on sale, some roses. So I said, okay, I'm going to get my wife some roses. And now, because I'm also an intelligent husband, I know you just can't get roses. What else do you have to get if you get flowers for your wife, Mark? Chocolates. Chocolates. <laughs> chocolates. So I had to go to get the chocolates. And so I got, the, I got a little box of chocolate. I had the roses. I got home. And I arranged the flowers on the dining room table and I put the box of flour, uh, the, the box of can't cut chocolates there, you know, arranged it real nice. And, you know, the kids came home from school and they said, they saw that and they said, uh oh, daddy, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I didn't do anything. I said, I just wanted to, to, to show your mom how much I love her. Because for me, now, again, this is something I would not normally, not because I don't want to, I, I just don't think about it because I don't need affection. So I, but I often don't think, well, what does my, this, my spouse need, you know, you know how sometimes we kind of get a little bit selfish. Sure. We think about our own needs and we don't focus on the needs of the other. And so I was, I was deliberately trying to focus on the needs of my wife. So now what happened was the kids were all excited. They were all excited. They were waiting for mommy to come home from work. So my wife comes home. She, she's a psychologist. She has a private practice. So she came home from her thing and she, and the kids, mommy, 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 look, look, look. And she looked at the table and saw the flowers and the chocolates and her eyes got big, like, uh-oh, what, what today, what day is today? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, oh, I forgot something. And I said, no, 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 it's not any kind of special day. I just wanted to, I did this to show you that I love you. You know, and oh, she was so, oh, hon, you know, she gave me a big old hug and a kiss and she walked over and looked at the flower. And, but, but Mark, 
the most special thing about that was the reaction of the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't even anticipate that. I, I wasn't even thinking about that yeah. when I got the flowers and the chocolates, but the kids were so excited, you know, when, when they saw, look how daddy and mommy love each other. I said, wow, what a, what a powerful, that little gift, just flowers and chocolate, nothing extravagant, not jewelry, but that little sign of love and affection made an impact on those kids, you know? And, and that's something that's, that's beautiful. So, because what happened, Marks? It kind of wears off, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. When you're first dating and yeah. you're trying to, you know, you're trying to show each other your best side or your best self and you open the car door for, for you know, for your date and, you know, maybe you, you offer to pay for dinner, you do all these little courtesies. But then when you get married, it kind of falls away because now you get into the busyness of home life and kids and work and and you just don't think, oh, let me stop and show a little affection, maybe a hug or something. But but it's those little things, Mark, I think that make the biggest difference. Absolutely. And I think especially with that example and the way you say your, your, your daughters were really swept up in the moment as well, I think it really is the best thing you can give your kids is to show them that you love their mother. As, as a husband, the best thing and a father, the best thing you can give your kids is to show them that you love their mother because they then have a, a very, very much a sense of security in that. And for their future as well, you're actually demonstrating something for them that they should expect in their own future marriages, if that's their vocation. You're, you're, you're demonstrating what they should be looking for in a man, how a man should be loving them and how a man should be taking care of them. So it really is, it's it's, it's a really powerful witness for the children. So I, I very much, very much like that, that example, that demonstration as, as, as something that can be something, as you say, something so small, but it really means a lot on so many different levels, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing for me is I have to consciously think about it. You know, for for example, just Mark, literally just yesterday, I, I, I went to Conley and I said, look, hon, you know, um, you know, I, I'm going to start traveling here soon. You know, I'm going to Australia and I'm going to uh, I'm going to be on the road at parish missions and, and things. And I said, you know, I really want to spend some time together, you know, and and uh, she goes, OK, why don't we go to a movie? So we went to last night, went to dinner uh, and a movie. You know, and we held hands during the movie. It was, it was, I mean, just little things like that, that after 28 years, you're kind of like, ah, you know, oh, she knows I love her already. She doesn't need me to, well, yes, she does. She really does. And and it was nice. I mean, I I had a, we had a wonderful time and even more so than the movie, it was just being together and just, just enjoying each other's company. So that was the best part of the whole thing. And um, so, so again, those little signs of affections that are done frequently, right? So not just every once in a while, but, you know, um, but, you know, like what what thing can I do this week? Maybe that's a little homework. What one thing can I do this week to show my spouse affection? You know, um, what, what can, what small thing can I do to show them that I, how much I love them? You know, it doesn't have to be big or extravagant. It just has to come from the heart. That's fantastic. That, that's that's great advice, and and that's that's tip number one. It's it's affection, being mindful of offering genuine affection to your spouse. So we move on to tip number two: sexual fulfillment and looking out for the needs of your spouse. What, what have you got to say on this right. topic? 
This is obviously okay, a, so I, is a challenging one for I, some people. Right. And it's, a, and I understand this is a family podcast too. So <laughs> that's my example is not going to be anything lewd or anything like that. But, but here's the thing. Um, God, and, and I said this in, in, in my, uh, 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 virtual conference, right? Uh, for Prusia not too long ago, that God loves sex, right? In mm -hmm. Genesis chapter one, God's first command, it says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the word fruitful there is uh, ephrata in, in Aramaic, but para in, in Hebrew. And it literally means to be open, to be open. So literally says, be open and multiply. That means be open to life. That's God's first command. Because life flows out of God's love, right? It, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, a natural, um, intrinsic byproduct of love is life, right? Christ died on the cross in an act of love, so that we, so that death could be conquered. The the one thing that could separate us from God forever is death, but Christ died to show not even death is more powerful than God's love. So he died to, to give us the opportunity for eternal life. He gave us the Eucharist, right? The, 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 the earthly sign, uh, uh, his body, blood, soul, divinity as an earthly sign and witness of his love that I am with you always to the end of the world. And, and so, and, and he, and he gave us the gift of, of our sexuality, be able to, to procreate because the family on uh, earth is the image and likeness of the family in heaven, right? So God exists as a communion, as a family of persons. So, so the, the conjugal act between a husband and a wife is a beautiful thing. It, it is. And it's, it's, it, it serves, what's the purpose? Uh, it has a unitive and a procreative dimension. So the, the human sexuality, uh, obviously uh, the conjugal act between a husband and wife are designed to unite that couple to unify that couple in uh in strengthening the the bond between a life give the loving and life-giving bond between them and procreation the procreative dimension to bring forth children all right so those are the the dual dimensions of of the of the conjugal act so it is an important part of marriage again not for the just for the sole purpose of having kids but also to unite that couple together so Sometimes this could be challenging right, in marriages. Uh, you know, this wasn't really a challenge for my wife and I very much at all um, until recently, right? Um, uh, and and I, let me let me talk about the both both aspects. So the way, and, I, and I'm making a generalization here, and I and I understand that this may not apply to everybody, but generally, generally, women want to feel close right? To, to, a wife wants to feel close to her husband. And when she feels that closeness to him, then she's more open to engaging in a, con in a conjugal act. Whereas men want to engage in the conjugal act in order to feel closer to their wife. <laughs> so it's like backwards, you know? Um, and I, <laughs> I embarrass myself here, but, but it's kind of funny. So in the beginning of our, of our sexual relationship, you know, I'd be like, you know, I'd make some advances toward her and she'd be like reading a book and have her glasses on and I'd make an advance and she's like, oh, okay, I'm into it. So she takes her glasses off, puts her book down, turns toward me and says, How, guess what Claire did today? 
And I'm like, I don't care what Claire did today. <laughs> right now, I ain't thinking about Claire. I ain't thinking, right? You know what I'm saying? But and it because I'm a guy and sometimes I'm a little hard-headed. It took me a while <laughs> to understand that what she she wasn't not interested, what she was, and she wasn't stalling, what she was doing by talking about her day and talking about things that she cares about, that makes her feel closer to me so she could be more engaged. And I didn't realize that. Right? So, so I was so frustrated, like, why are you stalling here? Why, you know, let's just get at it, you know? But, but then I had to, when I understood this dynamic, then I said, oh, okay. So now I know, okay, let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Let's, you know, these, and, and because it's going to lead to a more enjoyable uh, experience and response for both of us, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so, uh, but now the challenge is, Mark, is, is just the opposite, right? Because uh, where my wife's, you know, past the menopause, right? So, so uh, for those of you who are not familiar with that, that's, you know, a woman uh, reproductive cycle starts when she's a teenager or uh, you know, has a, her first menstrual cycle, first period. And then, it, and then the periods end um, when a woman gets older and the end of that reproductive cycle is called menopause. And there is a hormonal change in a woman because the body's not producing the same, you know, um, pheromones and the same uh, chemicals that, you know, want her to engage in the act because now her, her reproductive system is kind of shut down. And so she, you know, she hasn't been as, uh, open. I mean, you know, like desiring, you know, and that has nothing to do with me. I mean, I, I, I just lost a bunch of weight. Right. So it has not, it has nothing to do with me <laughs> physically. It's, it's just that the chemical, just chemically in her body and biologically. And I knew that this was going to happen. I mean, I, I, I was thinking, okay, we're getting older here. There's going to be a time where we're not going to be able to have intercourse anymore. Okay. I, I, okay. I, I, I get it. It's going to happen. I'm preparing myself, but I thought at least now we could still, you know, have uh, intercourse fairly frequently. And that's not the case. And that's okay. You know what? That's okay, Mark. Why? Because we're having less uh, intim physical intimacy than we've ever had in our marriage. But Mark, I love my wife more now than the day I married her. You see, so it's not about the frequency. It's it's about the the quality, not the quantity, right? It's about the quality, not the quantity. And I realize that this is the part of our life where, where this part of our life is slowing down. It's not completely stopped, but it's slowed down. And for me as a man, Right, I'm always fertile, right? So our mm -hmm. our our testosterone doesn't well, it, it does actually die down, but not as much as a woman's pheromones, right? And so, um, and so biologically, I'm still active, I'm still fertile, where my wife is not, and so it's a different dynamic, a different perspective, and that's okay, and that's okay. So now, what does that force me to do, Mark? I have to show more signs of affection knowing that those signs of affection are, are not going to lead to uh to a conjugal act and that's okay you know um so but one thing i found mark in in marriage preparation that destroys this dynamic um especially couples preparing for marriage or even couples that are in marriages 
is contraception and pornography. Mm-hmm. Those two things are absolutely devastating to a marriage. Now, now why do I say that? Let me let me tell it within this context. Um, uh, those of you who've heard me preach, right? Uh, and what I mean by preaching is giving a homily uh, during mass. I'm not afraid to talk about difficult subjects. <laughs> I'm not afraid to tackle tough issues. I, but I always speak the truth in love. But it's mm-hmm. always going to be the truth. But it's always going to be a love. Ephesians 4.15, that's what St. Paul says. So one time I gave a homily about the beauty of the church's teaching of the theology of the body. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't mention anybody's name. I, I, I didn't say about anybody in general. I said, here's the beauty of the church's teaching. So a person came up to me afterward and said, um, Deacon, can I talk to you? I said, sure. They said, uh, um, I, I didn't, well, not here. They wanted to talk privately. So we went over to the sacristy or the presbytery as you say there in Australia. And uh, we met in one of the rooms and, and uh, I said, what's going on? They said, I, I don't like your homily. I said, okay, that's fair. Which part didn't you like? All of it. Okay. Uh, what's the problem? And you know, he, he talked about, you know, um, uh, this idea of theology, the body that, you know, um, uh, natural family planning is basically just the Catholic form of birth control. Da, da, da. So I said, are you contracepting? And the he said, oh, you see, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Of course, I'm contracepting. All those people you're preaching to out there are contracepting. Look, the church is stuck in the Middle Ages. The church has to keep up with the times. And da, da, da. And he kept going. I said, OK, look, look, I asked you a yes or no question. So obviously you're contracepting. He goes, yeah, what does that have to do with anything? I said, we'll get back to that. I said, let me ask you this. You said you're because you're, he's told me his wife wasn't interested in having sex anymore. Um, and, uh, that's one of the reasons why the homily bothered him because him and his wife, I was talking about how beautiful this is. And his wife wasn't interested really much anymore. And that's when I asked about contraception and I said, okay, let me ask you this. You said your wife is not interested in sex that much. Tell me the last time that this happened. So he told me that, you know, the kids were gone. The the kids were, uh, these were high school kids. They're probably to football practice or, you know, come to some sporting activity. They were, they weren't home. So after having dinner, a a little bit later, he made some advances and his wife said, I don't want to have sex with you right now. And I'm waiting for him to say more. And that's all he said. I said, that's it. He said, yes. I said, you're angry. He said, yes. I said, let me see if I understand. Did your wife say, I don't love you anymore? No. You said that your wife says, I don't want to have, uh, did she, did she say, I don't want to have sex with you ever again? No. You said that she said, I don't want to have sex with you right now. Did you say, okay, how about an hour from now? You even give her that much? No. So I said, why are you angry? Now disappointed I can see, but why are you so angry and he couldn't tell me so i said here's why you know and and as i said love and life are two things that god never intended to be separated in psalm 119 verse 88 says because of your merciful love give me life and i will do your will so love and life are two things that are that are intimately connected now when you're contracepting you're forcing 
two things apart, love and life, that were never intended to be separated. Right. So let me be clear when I when I mean they're intrinsically connected. It doesn't mean have as many children as possible. That I mean, having lots of children is a beautiful and good thing. But but how many children to have is a prudential decision that parents make, right? That 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 a husband and wife make together, you know. Um, uh, so so uh, in, in natural family planning is not every act of love is going to bring forth a life, right? It's just natural the way that that we're built as human beings. I said, but what you're doing is forcing two things apart, and what that happens when you force two things apart. That leaves an emptiness, a void, a chasm. And as human beings, we're very uncomfortable with those kinds of spaces in, in our hearts. And so we try to fill that space with what? Alcohol, pornography, drugs, right? Uh, work. We try to fill, and it never brings this any closer together. And, and so basically what you've done by separating love and life, you've turned your wife into an object. Mm right? In, into a thing. All she does for you now is give you pleasure. It doesn't matter what she thinks, what she feels, what she's going through. All you care about is the pleasure that you get from that act. And that's what happens when you separate. That's what contraception does. It well, you, well, you can't get pregnant. That's the fact that she can't pray has nothing to do with it. Maybe she has a, she's not into it. Maybe there's some other thing going on, but because she's available to you, you know, that, that's not that's not fair, right, or just. And that's not what marriage is, you know? And, and so he got a little bit upset as I'm explaining this. And he said, what do you and your wife do? I said, well, we use natural family planning. He goes, what's that? So I had to, exp I had to explain it to him, right? So after I explained just the very basis of natural family planning, he said, well, what if you're in that non-fertile time and your wife isn't into it? What do you do then? And I said, that's a good point. I said, that happens to me. You know, at, at this point, I was still traveling very frequently. And I was gone for a couple of weeks and I came back and I was like, yes, we're going to we're going to do it. This is going to be great. And I noticed that, you know, and I looked in the garbage in the bathroom and was like, uh oh, you know, you know what's going on, that monthly thing. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, no. So I, I felt disappointed. So what could I have done? I could have asked my wife to do uh, an illicit act of, 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 of sex, right? Uh, I could have uh, looked at pornography, but instead I, I went back to my office and I started reading one. In fact, I have it on the floor here behind me, the, uh, the entire Summa Theologica by St. Thomas Aquinas. And I picked up one of the volumes and I started reading St. Thomas Aquinas, right? Because reading St. Thomas Aquinas will kill any sexual desire you have in your body. Right. That, that's a fact, my friend. That's a fact. It works. Tried and tested. <laughs> and yes. Yes. My friend, it's true. And, and I told I told that man, I said, look, I would rather do that than to turn my wife into an object of, for my pleasure and gratification, because as her husband and the father of her children, I always want to see her the way God sees her. I always want to look at her through God's eyes. That's why I will never contracept, right? And, and what's pornography? Pornography literally kills God's life. He it kills God's heart that, you know, um, in, in, uh, in 1 Samuel, you know, um, 
Samuel goes to the house of Jesse to anoint David as the new king. Well, he doesn't know it's David yet, but the Lord points out to him that it's David. And, uh, and what did the Lord look at? The Lord said he looked at the heart, right? He looked at the heart. And David would write later in Psalm 51, create a clean heart in me, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. You know, and so pornography destroys the spirit of God's heart in us. That's why it's so destructive. Because, well, it's just, it, it doesn't affect anybody except me. Oh, no. It, for example, pornography is one of the, the, the uh, leading causes for human trafficking. It's yeah. pornography. So, so when you're looking at pornography, you're actually helping to promote human trafficking. I don't think a lot of people realize that. There's, there's an intrinsic connection between the two. And so these are things that destroy um, the, the the beautiful sexual fulfillment that God calls for in marriage. Absolutely, I think the it's interesting as you as you go through point number two there, sexual fulfillment. It takes you back a little bit back to point number one as well, and and, and offering genuine affection. And genuine affection comes from a place of attentiveness, attentiveness to your spouse. And when it comes to sexual fulfillment, I think it I think it's similar. It comes from a place of being attentive to where your spouse, what page they're on, and and making sure that you get each other to the same page before you try and go down that 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 path of intimacy, because unless you're on the same page, it's very self-centered, isn't it? It's if, if it's not looking out for your spouse, then yes, there's going to be no fulfillment in that because the fulfillment comes from the fact that you are offering yourself completely, totally, fully to your spouse and receiving them completely as well. And if you're offering everything except your fertility, as for example, in the, in the case of contraception, then it's not a complete offering and the fulfillment isn't going to come from that, from that intimacy, is it? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And a beautiful thing that you said there, Mark, that, that sparked this thought, every act of affection does not have to lead to a sec to a sexually fulfilling act, mm -hmm. right? I mean, and that's, I think that's sometimes the danger that a wife feels that, oh, he's showing me a lot of affection. I know what he wants. Yeah. You know, no, it, it, it should be, I'm showing you affection just because I love you without any expectation mm -hmm. of anything further than just me showing you affection or showing affection to each other, sitting, watching a movie, eating some popcorn together. Mm -hmm. holding hands or, you know, hugging each other and, and not expecting anything else to come out of it. Just the, just beautiful signs of affection like that, you yeah. know? Um, and that's, that's kind of where we are. We're doing that more now in our marriage. And mm -hmm. that's something that I, quite frankly, I have to adjust to, you know, and that's okay. You know, it's okay because ultimately I love my wife. Of course, I love having sex with my wife too, but but we're at a point where, where that's not happening as much, and that's okay because it's her, mm -hmm. right? It's her seeing God in her, experiencing her, the love that I have for her. Say she was in an accident and she was incapacitated and in a wheelchair, or you know where where she just could not do. Does, would my love for her decrease? Would my love for her diminish because we can't express ourselves? in a conjugal act anymore? No, Mark, no. In fact, what I would do, I would go to my bishop and have him temporarily suspend my faculties to function as a deacon 
uh, so I can spend the rest of my life taking care of my wife. Now, why, why would I, well, wait, why would you go to the bishop? Because remember, once I'm ordained, I have obligations to the church mm -hmm. in addition to my family. If the bishop suspends my faculties, that means I can't function as a deacon. I mean, I'd do anything wrong, but he's just suspending them. Why? So I can spend the time that I need to take care of my wife. That's love. That's marriage. Mm -hmm. That's intimacy. That's affection. That's all of those things, Mark. You know, even though we're not expressing it physically, it doesn't matter. Mm. That that's where the rubber hits the road. That's what marriage is all about. In a way, it's even more beautiful than expressing it physically because it's a circumstance that hasn't been chosen, but is still accepted and and you adjust and, and you go on with 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 life as it presents itself. We we don't know what's around the corner, do we? And sometimes people do face challenges just like that. And so if the relationship is entirely hinging on sexual intimacy and without that it falls apart you'd have to question if that that relationship is is um is is meaningful even if everything is right and they are able to be sexually intimate you have to question the the, the validity of that relationship in the first place don't you yeah and these these are the kinds of things that i, I talk about in marriage prep yeah. <laughs> sometimes like oh we're, we're talking about this you have to talk about it this yeah. is going to be a part of your marriage yeah. You know, so, I mean, we don't talk about specific details, but just like the way we talked about it just now, yeah. you know, just, just here's, here's the, the thing that, you know, you guys put two and two together, but, but uh -huh. here's what this is, what, what the idea, the concept, what the, the beauty of the church is teaching is with regard to this, to this topic. Absolutely. Um, I was thinking as we went through that one, maybe I should have left that one until last because now we've, we've used a lot of time on that one, but obviously <laughs> we, we've good reason. Well, we could do this. We could do this in, in two parts too. I mean, we you could. Know, let, that... let, let's see yeah. how we go for time. And we, I mean, if we cover off a few of these quickly, we might still be okay to, sure. to try and fit into a reasonable sure. time. I feel like we might have to go all pints with Aquinas and do a, a three hour discussion, yeah. <laughs> which wouldn't be a bad thing, but, but we'll, we'll see how we go. Yeah. We'll keep pushing through. Yeah. We'll move to point number three, tip number three, conversation and prayer time together. Give us a little bit on that yeah. particular point. Yeah. So, so conversation, this is one of the things that's a huge issue in many, many, in many marriages, right? This communication, right? There was a book out uh, a number of years ago, right? Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was a kind of a joke, but it was the the idea of like, we're sometimes on two different planets when it comes to communicating with each other because men and women communicate differently, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, there, there's something lost in the translation, right? There's something missing here. And so, and so how do we improve this, this conversation? One thing that I found to be tremendously helpful, tremendously helpful is couples praying together. Now, my guess is that in many marriages, not all, because I know this is happening in, in lots of marriages, but there, there are a significant number of marriages uh, with Christians, right, where, where spouses aren't praying together every day. They're doing their own prayers, but they're not praying together, you know, and why is that important? A couple things. First of all, in Genesis chapter two, which is quoted by Jesus Christ himself 
in Matthew chapter uh, 19 and also by St. Paul in, in Ephesians chapter five, right? Um, uh, this idea of the, you are, you, the two have become one, right? Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife and the two become one flesh. So you're one. So if you're going to be united in marriage and the two of you become one, you also have to be united in your prayer life. Yes, you have your own individual prayer lives, which you should still continue to keep, you know, but there also, since you are one, there also has to be time where you're praying and talking to God together. Even if, if it's just as simple as an Our Father or Hail Mary together. You know, some couples I know um, pray the rosary together. I know some couples where the, the husband's a deacon where he and his wife pray the liturgy of the hours together, that's like advanced. <laughs> that's like, well, okay, okay, now you're getting into it. But but there's some couples that, why don't they pray together? Sometimes for couples, it's um, it's uh, uncomfortable, right? Um, because they're comfortable praying the way they like to pray, and the other spouse is comfortable to praying the way they like to pray. And when they try to get together, it's, uh, awkward. It's like, okay, well, what are you going to say? I don't know. What are you going to say? I don't know. What are you going to, you know? <laughs> and so they end up not doing it. Right. And, but, but I think it's absolutely essential, essential to, to talk to God together with one heart as a married couple, you know, uh, again, doesn't have to be anything fancy. It doesn't have to be a long litany of prayers, but doing something together. And, for my wife and I, we just keep it very, very, very simple. You know, I get up every morning and I, and I, I say, Lord, thank you for allowing me to see the light of another day so that I may give honor, praise, and glory to your most holy name. And then when I'm home, I grab my wife, say, thank you for the gift of my wife. I thank you for our 28 years together, our beautiful children. Help me to be the husband and the father that I need to be for them today. And she says something back to me, right? And, we, and, and that's, that's our prayer for today. You know, because we have we're very, very different prayer styles, right? I was a, a monk, so I love very formal, structured, monastic type of prayer. My wife is much more free form, just kind of let it rip, you know, and, and that's not that's not me, right? So we have two very disparate prayer styles, but but we we know it's essential to come together and pray, even if it's just very simple to, to spend that time together in prayer. And and you'll see your conversations start to change in your marriage when you start praying together. You have much, much better and more meaningful and deeper conversations as a couple. That is a, is a, is the fruit of a, a prayer life that you foster together. And I think the, the, the key to that tip is it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be something that 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 feels daunting in any way. As you, you just explained, it can be 10 or 20 seconds just something to connect you, um, to connect you to the Lord together, presenting in front of the Lord, offering whatever petitions for the day. It can be really simple, but yeah, hopefully very, very effective as well. Um, and, and then point three, conversation time, prayer time together, that actually leads in, in a little bit to, to point four here on this list, and, and that's recreational companionship, finding time amongst each other, I suppose, amongst the busyness of life. Yeah, exactly. Because often you know, we're in a situation where both parents uh, are working, you know, not in the case for everybody, but in a lot of cases, you have both parents working, 
And, and so there's the busyness of the family life, there's the busyness of the kids, there's the busyness of work. And often you start to lose perspective, right? You, you, you spend, your, your time is taken up by so many other people and so many other things that you lose that valuable time to continue to, to build and develop your marriage. And so if that continues for 20, 30 years, you end up, you know, when the, when the kids leave and now there's nothing that's keeping you busy, you look at each other and say, who are you? I, I, I don't know who you are. You know, we, what, what, what's the typical expression? We've grown apart, apart. Mm -hmm. right? We've grown apart. No. So, so how, so how can we keep that together in the, in the midst of the business? Like my wife and I did last night, as I described this mark, a date night. Mm -hmm. What? Okay. When we had the kids, when the kids were small, we had to have two babysitters, right? We had one for the older girls and one for the twins, right? Because we one teenager can't watch four little ones. That that ain't gonna happen. So we got two babysitters, but that gave us the ability to go out and spend some time to get some quality time together. And uh, you know, the, how are we doing? Okay, yeah, we know how things are going with the kids, but how are we doing? Mm -hmm. um, anything we need to be working on? Is is there anything I could be doing better? you know, in, in the marriage. I mean, just having some time just to connect and process and, and have a little dinner together and a movie or a walk in the park or or something, you mm -hmm. know, to, to just have some fun uh, together. You know, uh, that's really, really important. And I, and I love the fact that my wife and I went out last night. Yeah, our, all our kids are adults now, right? And, and most of them are not in the house anymore. But still, I'm busy. Right, I'm writing books. I'm speaking around the world. Um, I've got a a, a a new business up and running now. You know, with 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 uh, Perusia and Charbel. You know, and so I got I've got a lot of irons in the fire, and it's really easy for me. I'm an A type personality. I'm a workaholic by nature. I I love working hard. Um, to lose perspective. Oh yeah, Colleen, she's over there somewhere. You know, mm -hmm. oh yes, yeah, she'll. Be, we've been together twenty eight years. She's always going to be here. I, well, hold on. It's just like a plant or a flower. If you don't nurture it, if you don't water it, if you don't give it sunlight, fertilizer, and 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 take time to to nurture that seed and that plant, it's not going to grow. It's going to die. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true in marriage. We have to take time to nurture and foster and to grow the relationship, no matter how many years you've been married. You know, that's something that is critically important that you must take time to do as a couple. And I don't even understand why someone wouldn't want to do that because sure, life can get busy and sure, things can be challenging, but but this is the person that God has put to walk through life with us, to actually get us to the end of this particular part of the journey. Why wouldn't we want to spend time with them and 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 just enjoy their company? Like, I think it's something that, now, it's very easy to say what I just said. Once again, in amongst all the business, it, it sometimes is quite hard to, to find the time. But I think the more you do it is the point I'm trying to make. The more you do it, the more you realize how essential it is. And the more you realize what you together as a couple are going to take away from that. So, yeah, just to be able to spend a bit of time, I think it, I think it's very key and, and a very important thing to consider on this list. Um, and we move on now to tip number five honesty and openness what do you have to say on that topic Deacon? so being honest and open you know um so that's it, it's it's it means not keeping things 
within yourself. And guys are really good at just holding things in, right? Mm -hmm. Women just blah, blah, they'll talk for like hours and blah, if you just give them a chance, they'll just spout out, right? But guys sometimes like to keep things inside and just work through and process, you know, but but I think it's important to to show that gift of vulnerability, mm-hmm. to not be afraid to to show your wife your heart, to not be afraid to open the deepest parts of your heart to her, you know, and, and a wife to her husband as well. But for, for me, Mark, the reason that that was so hard in our marriage was because um, issues of trust, right? So, so for me, there are certain things that I think that need to stay between a husband and wife, right? There are conversations that we, that we have, they're not bad or anything like that. They're not, you know, scandalous, but it's just, they're personal, mm-hmm. right? And, and these oh. are feelings that you could talk to your wife about. You could maybe talk with God about, mm-hmm. but you don't want it, your friends knowing. You don't mm-hmm. want her friends knowing. You don't want anybody. So it, I, I I tell my wife, look, because she was saying, I need you to be open. I need you to share your heart with me. I need you to go deeper. I need you. To... And it, that's really, really hard for me because that's not, I mean, it, it, oh, there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, environment growing up and not seeing my parents show much love and affection and not, you know, and that I means there's a lot of things I think that play into it. And I'm not using it as an excuse. But, but it's very hard for me to just open up. But I said, if I work at this, um, if I make an effort to do this, it is extremely important to me that you not share what I'm, what I'm opening to you with other people. Again, not because anything is bad, but I mean, this is something I'm sharing with you. You're my wife. I stood at the altar. I made a vow before God with you, not with your friends, mm. not with you know, the neighbors, with you. And so you want me to open your heart. I'm opening my heart to you. So th- this, whatever we're talking about now needs to stay between us because I mean, because there's a beauty and a vulnerability there. You know, it's just, it's almost like a confessional, right? You, 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 you confess things and you know that staying right there in that confessional. The priest's not going to go out and tell people, you know, what, what you said, it stays right there. And, and, uh, that's the kind of way I, I need that to happen in, at least in my marriage. Um, again, not because I'm embarrassed or ashamed, but because I just think there are some personal things that need to stay between spouses. And so, um, how do you do that? The question is, how do you start to open yourself? One of the, my wife came up with this idea. It was, I think it was brilliant. So, um, one of the things we did was if we, we had a vase, I, I bought her some flowers one year and we emptied out the vase when the flowers died. And we, so we kept, we kept the, the, the vase or the vase, as I guess you guys would say there. Right. And so, and so uh, what we would do is we had little slips of paper and a pen, almost like a, like a sticky note. Right. And mm-hmm. we had a, a pen or a pencil. And so if, if I did something that, Uh, if Conley did something that upset me, I would write it down, fold it up and put it inside the jar. If she did something that I thought was awesome, that I appreciated, I would also write that down and put it inside the jar. She would do the same thing. And so, you know, we, we, during the week, we put these things in the jar. We, I don't know how many we'd have in there, maybe five, six things or whatever, maybe more. (laughs) Um, And, and so what we would do is this. Now, first of all, why did we do that? 
Because when you're angry at someone, in that moment, you want to snap at the person. You want to let them know right then, in that moment, how you feel, how you made me feel, what you did was stupid, you know, uh, or whatever. You know, so what this does is by writing it down, you're still getting that emotion, but now it's folded up and it's put inside the vase, right? So you're not exploding on that person in that moment. Because what happens when you do that? You da 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 da. Oh yeah, what about this? You da 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 da. Next thing you're bringing up something from ten years ago. You're yeah. like, wait a minute, where'd that come from? You know. So and then bam, you're into it. But with this, you put. So what happens? So what we did was on Friday night, let's say Friday night, we had a mini date night. So I would bring home Thai food because my wife loves Thai food. I bring home some Thai food. The kids would be in bed. We sit down and have just a dinner, just my wife and I. And we, as we're eating dinner, which is a very enjoyable, pleasurable experience, we reach into the jar and pull out the slips of paper. And I would read my, okay, my wife would say, okay, uh, I wish you would fold the laundry sooner so the kids don't walk around with wrinkled clothes. That's what she was upset about. So I looked at that because now the anger is dissipated. Right. So now she's it's, it's she's not like, ah, it's on a piece of paper. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Here's what was going on. I was working on a homily and I, I got really inspired and I thought, oh, I got to fold the laundry. Let me get this thought down, because if I don't get it down now, I'm going to forget. And so I was busy and then I kind of forgot about the clothes. That's my fault. You know, next time, maybe I'll I'll record it on my phone, the idea on my phone, record it and then go back and, and write it later. That's something I could do so that that won't happen again. You know, and then we take something good. I really like when you brought me flowers and chocolates. Oh, you like that? I'm going to keep doing it. You like that? Huh? I'll show you. I'm going to keep doing it. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it was it, 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 the, so the, the, the emotion and whatever you were feeling at that time is, is not there because it's just a slip of paper. And then you go, you work through the vase, you talk about some things, then you sit down and you watch a movie together. You know, I mean, there, there it is, you know, uh, so, so you're communicating and, and, and what is this doing? Because if you, if this little technique where we're talking about things as they happen and we're doing it every week, what happens is if you, if you don't do something like that, you don't have to do exactly what we did, but if you don't do something like that, we are talking about these things regularly, the little things, they start to become big things, mm-hmm. right? So, so this thing that, that that keeps nagging you that your your wife or your husband is doing over and over and over again if you don't talk about it if you don't bring it up it's going to fester uh-huh. right it's going to like a like a wound that's open right and it gets an infection and next thing it starts to spread and now you have to go to the doctor and they have to give you all kinds of medicine for a little cut uh-huh. right and now it's, it's this big thing same thing can happen in marriage the little things happen over and over and over and over and over again can turn into something huge, can turn into a major issue. So, so this honesty and openness, very simple ways to just uh, allow yourself to be vulnerable. And that's where Christ's strength from the cross came from, precisely his vulnerability. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. My power, the Lord said to him, my power is made perfect in weakness. It's when I'm weak, it's then that I'm strong. You know, and so a man doesn't have to feel like, oh, I'm I'm a wimp if I talk to my wife about what's on my heart. You're not a wimp. You're being a real man because mm. now you're being Christ crucified to your wife. Sure. And I don't think it's I'm, I'm sure it's not lost on our listeners that 
in the example you've just given, not only are you being honest and open, but you are spending time together, you are talking together. So you're actually ticking off at the same time a lot of the other things on this list and and they do all go together in, in such a nice way, don't they? Yeah, they do, but you have to practice it, right? You have to do it. You just can't think about it and you have to make the time. I yes. get it. Everybody's busy. I'm busy. You know, I travel a lot on weekends, you know, so I'm not always here on weekends. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm literally working on the weekends. But yep. when I am home, like like last night, last night was a weekday, you uh -huh. know, uh, or we knew it was a holiday coming up, right? So it was a, a, a holiday here in the States. So, you know, so we spent that time and I could have been working. I mm -hmm. could have been preparing for the Perusia tour. I could have been doing a lot of different things, but I said, no, I'm going to spend this time with my wife because this time is absolutely important and critical for us. Absolutely. So that was number five on our list of 10, honesty and openness. We move now to number six. Number six is attractiveness of the spouse and finding time to make yourself presentable to your spouse. Yeah, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. This, this basically is, okay, you know, when you, when you first get married, you know, if you see in the picture in the background there, you know, uh, I was pretty handsome. I had hair back then. <laughs> you know, my wife still looks amazing. You know, she's she still looks to me. She still looks like like that. You know, <laughs> you know, 28, 28 years later, she still looks as good as she did on the day we were married. But, you know, I've gained weight and things like that. I've, I've recently lost about uh what would that be in kilos it's six, 61 pounds which would be i'm, I'm no good at the conversion <laughs> 20 20 26 kilos something like that so a significant amount of weight yeah yeah significant amount of weight now why why is that important um the the, the uh uh historian cicero uh wrote sick sick transit gloria mundi so passes the glory of the world Right. So as you get older and as you, you have children, you're going to gain weight. You're not going to look as good. You're going to start getting wrinkles and, you know, body changes. And and so in a sense, you become less physically attracted mm -hmm. to your spouse because of the weight gain, maybe from your wife having a bunch of kids. She's her, you know, her, she's bigger than she was before or, or you yourself. Um, I know I knew I've struggled with my weight you know, for, for years. And it's only recently after switching doctors and switching the way I eat and uh, being able to go back to a gym with a personal trainer, you know, cause I need to be around for my wife. You know, mm -hmm. I, I have an obligation responsibility to remain, to remain healthy for her, mm -hmm. you know, and, and for my kids, you know, and to do the work that God has called me to do. So I think it's an obligation and a responsibility to keep physically fit, you know, and to, um, and not become a couch potato. I mean, I think that's that's part of it. And it's hard. I get it. I get it. It's another one of those things that just takes time. And when am I going to find a time? Here's what I do. I get up at 5 a.m. every morning, including the weekends, 5 a.m. I do that for several reasons. One, in the time zone that I'm in, if I'm traveling to another time zone, it makes getting up because I have to get up early uh, here, but it's later. Like say I have a, a, a eight o'clock mass. Well, eight o'clock mass in a Eastern time zone is five o'clock in the morning, my time. So if I'm getting up at five o'clock and my body is used to that, that circadian rhythm, then it's not going to be as painful mm. trying to, you know, get it, get to an 8 a.m. mass in, in the Eastern time. See what I'm saying? That's one reason. The other reason is I get up, I pray for an hour. I, in fact, right here, I have my breviary 
and I have my, um, well, these are the Psalms that I use. I use the uh, revised Grail Psalms, um, which are much uh, more faithful to the Hebrew, you know, because I, I do I do read Hebrew. So um, so I read that translate. I, I use that translation of the Psalms rather than the one that's in the breviary, because, again, it's much more it's closer and a little more faithful to the Hebrew. Um, then I do my devotionals, rosary, you know, so I spend an hour in prayer. Then I head to the gym from six to seven a.m. Um, then I get back home from the gym and I go for, uh, then I do my cardio. I do about, um, what would that five miles would be about 2.9, three kilometers, mm -hmm. something so, somewhere around there. Yep. Uh, and I do that. I do that cardio six days a week. So I go to the gym three days a week and I do the cardio or I go to gym four days a week. Cause I just added an ab and abdominal, uh, core routine. Uh, and I have a personal trainer who who came up with all of my exercise regimens, and I and I faithfully. And you know, once you get into a rhythm like that, it's beautiful. And now I'm losing weight, and you know the seatbelt on the plane fits much much better now. My clothes are 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 big on me now. You know, it's wonderful. And my wife is much happier. You know, um, and I'm much happier because I'm I'm more physically fit. I'm, I'm I feel so much better. You know, and it's it's a wonderful thing, and that can really enhance a marriage. So just to say that, just to say, you know, beauty fades. You know, uh, you're you're not going to look as good as you did. You got your gray hair. You're a little bit chubby or whatever, but but it really is important that you take the time because this holistic mind, body, and soul. If you want to have a complete relationship with God, you focus on the mind, right? So learning about the faith, growing intellectually, the the body physically. And then the soul spiritually. So it's that holistic approach. Um, when we engage God in our faith, we have a relationship with God. It has to be mind, body, and soul. So we we really should focus on all three because that really makes us into the person that God created us to be. Nice. Um, I'm going to give you the next two together. And, and they do very much focus on the day-to-day -day strain of, of running a household. Um, so number seven is financial support. And number eight is domestic support. So can you give us a bit of an explanation of both of these? Um, sure. From the, I think they both do go together because they're two very different aspects that, that, that come to running a household, but I think one can't work without the other. So can you maybe explain both of those together? So financial support obviously is bringing an income to uh, – uh, resource, bringing in financial resources into the house so you can feed, clothe your family, put the kids in Catholic school and all those kinds of things, right? So there's the financial support. So again, sometimes both spouses are working, you know, in order to bring money into the home. Um, and then there's domestic support, which is the, the, the support that you give at home. So again, generalizing here, the husband is typically the one who provides the financial support he takes the lead in that perspective. Again, not that's not everybody because I understand sometimes the both spouses are working uh, and the wife provides the domestic support. So she stays home with the kids and takes care of the household and the kids and cooking and all that kind of stuff. Again, I'm generalizing here, okay? Um, uh, so what you don't want to do is that one is more important than the other. So for example, um, you, you come home and your wife says, you know what, honey, uh, I, I think we need to put more of our budget, our budget. I'm the one making the money. All you do is sit home with the kids. You're not working. The, uh, woo, 
hold on. You know, so 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 what so what's happening in that situation, Mark? What you're saying is my contribution to this family is more important than your contribution. Hmm. You see, I'm the one bringing in the money. Therefore, I'm the one that should decide what happens financially. No, 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 no. Or I'm I'm doing the financial, so you should do all the domestic. You should clean the bathrooms and the ironing and all that kind of stuff. I shouldn't have any responsibility. I shouldn't cut the lawn or anything like that because, you know, I'm providing all the money. Urgh, wrong answer, right? There has to be a balance there. There has to be a balance. Now, I, I'm an absolute idiot if I think but because my wife is not working, that that she has no say in what happens financially in that house. That is ridiculous. We are a team. So even now, my wife's a psychologist. She's making, I mean, she works only like three days a week, you know, and, and I'm working and, and I'm bringing a lot more money than she is, which is fine. But we both, I don't make any decisions. For example, when I decide to leave my job, I talk to my wife about it. Now, whether I leave my job has no impact on her directly. I mean, she's not like my boss, but if I'm making a life change like that, I have to talk to my wife because it's going to affect our marriage and our relationship. So I have to talk to her. And I say, okay, financially, hon, this is what it means. Family-wise, here's what it means. Marriage-wise, here's what this decision means. Let's talk about it together. It's a discernment that you do together. Why? Because you're one. You're yeah. one. And it also... I should also take some domestic responsibility, you know, like um, I should clean the bathrooms or like the other day I, I did the laundry and folded the laundry all by myself. Proud to say, cause I, I rarely actually actually do laundry, my, but, but I, but my wife was not feeling well. So I, I, I did the laundry and I washed all the clothes and, and I did the towels and stuff separate. So you're supposed to do the underwear and stuff separate. I got that part down and then I folded everything without being told to, without being asked to. I just saw the need and did it. Sometimes I'll just wash the dishes. The dishes are sitting there and the dishwasher is only half full. You know, I said, ah, I could just wash these by hand or, you know, whatever. And I just see a need and you do it. Mm -hmm. You don't come home and say, well, how come the, the house isn't clean? I've been running around behind five kids all day and I, I'm trying my best, but I can't keep everything clean all the time. We should do a better job because I hate coming home to a messy house. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You see, see how, see something like that could be an issue. I mean, a real issue. Just a little. Yeah. In marriages. <laughs> yeah. So, so there has to be a balance there. Okay. You have to come home. When you have kids, you cannot expect your home to be immaculate. You don't live in a palace when you have kids. You know, things are good. There's going to be poop all in the place. There's going to be food around. There's going to be clothes all over the place. I mean, it goes with the territory. You know, you have to relax and say, okay, this is my life right now. I can't have the nice house that I always thought we could have. Not when the kids are that small, they run the house basically. Right. You know, so, uh, so you just have to relax and say, okay, hon, how can I support you? What do you need me to do? And that's the other thing. Cause guys aren't intuitive. My wife sometimes will just wait for me to do things. And I need her to tell me to do things <laughs> because well, I just thought you would know that this had to be done. Uh, no. Why don't you tell me what you want me to do? And I'll be happy to do it. But you need to tell me. Well, I just thought you just would know. Mm -mm. You need to. I'm a little slow up here. You need to tell me. <laughs> I mean, so 
that's a that's like that's a real conversation, by the way, Mark. Uh, you know, because <laughs> sometimes I just don't I I I just don't notice, or you know, because I'm a guy, you know. So I but guys need to be told firmly and directly. Here's what I need you to do, right? We're mission oriented, right? Okay, he, he, I just got a goal. I just got a task. I need I need to execute, right? That's the way we think. So don't feel bad, ladies, if your husband's not very perceptive. If you're waiting for him to do something or to jump in and he's oblivious, that's not because he doesn't care. That's because he's a guy, right? Tell him, hon, I need you to take the baby right now because I need to go to the bathroom or I need to go pump milk or I need I, whatever it is. I, I need to go do something right now. So you need, oh, no problem. I got this, you know, but so just, <laughs> just be clear that when you're talking to a guy, uh, lay out what is and so it should work domestically and financially. There's a partnership there, not one over the other, but both together. And communication, once again, like with most of these, communication, communication. is the yes. key. Exactly yeah. right. We exactly move to right. point number nine out of 10 family commitment and spending meaningful time not on the clock and I suppose carefree timelessness. Yeah, and the 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 real issue here, Marcus, is uh, spending quality time as a family. And the way we did that, family night, mm -hmm. family night, one hour a week. Come on, one hour a week, where we're doing something together, fun, as a family. That's family night. It, whether it's a board game, whether it's playing outside. We used to, in fact, when the kids were younger, we used to play outside in our front yard, and we used to make up games. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, let's take the ball. If you kick the ball past this patch of grass, then it's the, we sort of just make up games, make up our own rules. And it was so much fun. You know, we, we had a, a game called lost and found, you know, where, where it was like hide and seek. But once you found the person, you had to tickle them. And I mean, it was, it was just, it was just a lot of fun. We kept with these really cool games and ideas. And those are the things that the kids still talk about. They're adults now. Mm. And they still talk. Oh, remember that night in family night where we had the dance off and daddy like fell on the ground and was rolling around on the ground. That was so funny. You know, in fact, we even filmed, we filmed one of the family nights and um, I kept it on my phone in my, uh, in my favorites. And I had no idea that the, and the kids were, the kids were really, really young. And I don't know, you're not going to be able to see this, but, but um but if the viewers, oh, you can't see what the, what the it's, it's not. But anyway, it's not finding it. Oh, there you yeah, go. It's not. It's not working. But anyway, this on my phone is a picture of the kids when we were doing family night one night, and uh, the kids here are really small, and I didn't realize that they kept this video. Yeah. You know, I'm like, wait a minute. They they actually kept the video because they just thought it was so cool that we that we were having these family nights and having so much fun together as a family, and they get to see dad, mommy, and daddy be silly, and you know, it was just really cool. You know, and, and so again, one hour, 168 hours in a week mm. and one hour to spend quality time as a family together, even yeah. more, you know, on the weekends, you can go to the beach or go to the park or go on an outing or go visit relatives and things like that. But uh, outside of that, just spending one hour a week, just having fun together as a family is really, really important. It actually makes me think of um, Mary Poppins, the movie. My kids were watching that last night just while we were getting dinner ready. And um, just the whole concept of the father is so focused on his work and he's just always at work, doesn't have time for the kids. And the whole 
storyline behind the movie was helping this father to connect with his kids ultimately. And and at the end, they go and fly the kite. And and us, that that's kind of what you're talking about, isn't it? It's even though we're busy, even though we've got commitments and, and all these things going on around us, this stuff is essential. If we're not doing this, the rest doesn't matter. Like, what are you doing it for if not to have that time with your family? Well, think about what do you want your kids to remember? Mm. Oh, mommy was always busy. Mm. Oh, daddy was always gone. They never had time for me. Is that what you want them to remember? Or do you want them to remember family night? So with the goal of them bringing that into their own family one day, that's that's the beauty of it. Because now you're creating memories for them that they're going to want to bring that same feeling, that, that same excitement, that same love into their own families one day. And they'll, you know, your kids are creative. They'll find their own way to have their own type of family night with their mm-hmm. own family. It doesn't have to be the same way we did it when we were kids. Mm-hmm. But that's something that they're going to bring it to their home to see how important, how special that is. Sometimes I, it could even be the same. I mean, I, I, I think often about you know, when I'm older and my kids are married and have their own kids and, and then I'm, I'm the grandparent, which feels like such a long way away. But at the same time, it, it feels like it's, it's coming on very quickly. But I, I kind of look forward to the time where I can sit there and see my kids interacting with their wife and children. And then I recognize in their relationships, something that was, that seed was planted in our family now. And I, I, I just get thinking, if I get to that point and I can sit there and, and witness that in my children, their families, how proud I would be that our efforts have actually led to that. Because it is a struggle when you've got a lot of young kids and even just getting together. I mean, in our house, we we play board games, but sometimes the little ones don't quite get the concept and it makes it challenging, but we get through. But just to see these things that we're working on now, I really look forward to the day where I can sit back as the grandparent, sort of overseeing the next generation and identify in what they're doing now. Oh, that's what we used to do. They they, they must, that meant, must have meant something to them because they've adopted that concept in whatever form it takes, but they've adopted that concept for their own family. And, and I just think I really look forward to be able to, to be sitting back and seeing that. And I think that will be really special when I get to that point in time, God willing, I get to that point in time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that that's, that's point number nine, tip number nine, family commitment and, and spending time together as a family. So we go to point number 10 out of 10 for tips to a divorce proof marriage. Point number 10 is admiration. I suppose a summary of that would be showing each other that their contribution to the relationship and to the family is appreciated. We, we value them. What, what do you have to say on the, the, the point of admiration? Yeah. So this would be kind of the, so the way my wife needs affection, I need admiration, right? It's just, it's just the opposite. My wife needs affection. I don't need a lot of affection. I need admiration. My wife doesn't need a lot of admiration. You see, see? so it's just, it's kind of an opposite thing for us. So the way she needs affection, I need admiration. What does that mean? That I need to hear from her because, you know, Mark, I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes I travel so much that sometimes I wish that I wasn't. And I, and I actually, I'm, I'm actually working to create a situation where I don't have to travel as much moving forward. You know, because honestly, some of that is driven by financial um, considerations. I, I do have two kids that are in uni 
and it's unis. It's very expensive here in the United States. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, so I, I had burden. Uh, so sometimes right now I have to be gone when I don't necessarily want to be gone. Sometimes I'm traveling. I got, God, I wish I was home right now, you know? And, and I just need to hear from my wife that those sacrifices that I'm making, you know, I'm not, I'm not traveling just to be Deacon Harold. You know, um, part of it is I am traveling. Well, first of all, this is what God wants me to do. So I'm fulfilling God's will for my life, but I'm also providing for our family. So I, I need to hear from her. You know what, hon? The sacrifices that you're making, I, I so appreciate. You know, I know that you, you want to be home more. I know that you want to spend more quality time with me, but I just want to let you know that it means so much to me and to this family that you're making those sacrifices for us. And we understand how how you feel and we just want to know we that that we love you and thank you for doing this for us i mean come that's huge man uh-huh. that's huge you know and, and that's the kind of thing that i need to hear um you know that that that, that all the things i'm doing are appreciated by the family you know as and i tell him i said hon i wish i didn't have to go or you know but like i said i'm working in a situation now post covid you know i'm working in a situation now um uh, again, with this new, uh, with, with uh, CMS, with Crystal Marketing Solutions, to get to a point financially where I don't have to travel as much. And so, yeah, moving forward, um, I'm still going to be traveling overseas and still doing uh, speaking, but not nearly as much as I'm doing now. Uh-huh. And and that's, for me, that's a good thing. Plus, I mean, it's going to give opportunities for the up and coming speakers, right, who need to get out there and, and bring the message too. So, so I, I see myself in kind of a, uh, a kind of a slow transitional period right now. Um, and, and, and that's a shift in our family. And, and my, my wife is completely on board and supportive and affirming. Um, and it's just, I mean, I can't do it without her. I mean, you know, I, I just can't, I mean, it doesn't work unless she's on board. It doesn't work unless she's supportive. It doesn't work unless she's giving me the admiration that I need that, that spurs me on to continue uh-huh. to do this every single day, you know? Um, and in addition to knowing I'm fulfilling God's will um, and, and all of that too, but all of that plays into it. So that affirmation, letting your spouse know how much you truly appreciate them, you know, um, and, and the efforts they're making, even like, oh, hon, I love when you opened your heart to me the other night. You know, that meant so much. I saw how hard it was for you to kind of bring that out, but I was, but I love the fact that you're trying. I love the fact that you're not afraid to be vulnerable, that you feel safe with me sharing pers- intimate things, you know, I, you know, about maybe your childhood or, you know, how it felt when dad left or, how, you know, you know, that you're sharing those with me. It just makes me feel so much closer to you. I mean, that's the stuff I need to hear because that keeps me motivated to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. To keep doing it because to keep being affectionate. Because when I show affection, she shows me admiration, right? So, so uh, that that's that wonderful balance that we also have to strike to strive for in marriage. And once again, we we display in, in making one point that it links in with the other one. So these things all really do go together, which is why there's no there's no real. I mean, we've delivered them in an order one to ten, but there's no real order or to the way these need to be applied. And like I said at the start, some of these might not necessarily 
be applicable to each and every couple, but I'd like to think that of those 10 points, there probably is some sort of application in each couple's life or, or, a, or a time or a season where, where these, each of these 10 points would be helpful, even if it's, if it's not necessarily here and now. Um, but yeah, I think they're really 10 very useful pointers, 10 really useful tips uh, to making sure that marriage is lifelong the way we, we commit it to be and to make sure that, that we can avoid the, the horrors of, of divorce. And, and, and we really need in our society to have strong marriages, strong families. So, so hopefully our discussion today, Deacon Harold, is, is giving people food for thought, providing some, some ideas as to the different things they can try in their own relationship to, to really solidify and, and strengthen their family or their relationship, their family and, and the wider world around them as well. So Deacon Harold, once again, thank you so much for your words of wisdom and for your thought that's gone into to this particular topic. Thank you, Mark. It's been uh, great to talk to, to talk about this with you and with all the Prusia family. Absolutely. No, we thank you very much for your time. If, if anyone wants to, to know more about Deacon Harold and what he's doing, you can always look at his website, deaconharold.com, and you can look at all of his upcoming events around the States and, and also for all of those in Australia, an upcoming event or a series of events in Australia as well. Uh, Deacon Harold's got an online store. You can purchase a lot of his resources there as well and, and just keep, keep up to date with, with all things in Deacon Harold's world. And for those who want to continue to follow us at Perusia, our website is perusiamedia.com, where this podcast is one of a series of podcasts. And we've also got blogs, events, also our online store as well. So plenty of information at perusiamedia.com as well. So that's the end of another episode of Speaking with Deacon. Thank you very much for joining us. And we look forward to being with you next time. God bless.